Good afternoon again, sisters and brothers, and I, um, I hope you've had some time to thaw out and uh, come back and be ready for another session. One of the verses of Scripture that we're all very aware of comes from the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Which means that for us as Christians, hope is an incredibly important part of who we are, how we live, and what we look forward to. Hope is what keeps us focused, alive, practicing. St. John Chrysostom says, we may be rid of heartlessness towards others and not cast down by temptation. We'll achieve this by abounding in hope, which is the cause of all good things and comes from the Holy Spirit. And we can mainly think, well, what does hope have to do with doing good things? If I give you a very practical example, unlike His grace, I am sure, my study becomes an incredible mess sometimes. And if I go through one of my inspirational periods where I tidy up my study, I have a hope that it will continue to be tidy. And so every time I walk in, I will make sure that if I empty a bag or put a book down, I will put it in the right place with the hope that I can keep it that way. And yet, when habit outdoes my desire to keep it tidy, and it gradually becomes untidy again, I look around me and think, well, what's the point? So things start to go anywhere until I get the next resurgence that allows me to tidy it up. And our lives are very similar. Within our Coptic Orthodox Church, within Orthodoxy generally, there is the sacrament of confession and repentance which means that at regular interviews, a person will go, sit with a confession father, and confess. It is not just about saying what we've done, and that's why it is called repentance and confession. It is about having a mindset that I don't want to go back to it. And so we will deliberate, we will think, we will reflect, we will sit with our confession fathers, and I remember very clearly coming out of the first confession I ever did, I probably was towards the end of my teens, my first proper confession. I mean, it wasn't about annoying my sister or, 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 or not doing my homework. This was a confession where I spoke as a young man or an older adolescent, and I really reflected on my life and what I wanted to do better and what I wanted to stop doing. And I remember that day walking out feeling almost weightless. I felt like I floated out of that room. 
I felt like the burdens of sin and the burdens of the challenges to faith and the burdens generally that befall us you know, in day-to-day life had been relieved. And I was able to walk out. And that gave me hope that I could live a life of holiness, which probably lasted for at least a week, until I got back to the same pattern, until my next confession. And that is why confession is there. You know, when we talk about confession, we talk about the Eucharist. These are gifts from God. These are sacraments left because He knows our brokenness and He knows our need for rejuvenation and He knows our need to be accompanied along a journey. And so, hope is called to us as Christians because it says to us that regardless of what we have done, who we have become, regardless of any of that, we can still be holy and sacred and blessed if we but leave those things behind and hold on to our Lord. So the hope comes from Him. We speak as Christians about the hope of the resurrection. That in His act of resurrection, we now have hope in the resurrection of the body. That means that when this life comes to an end, we look forward to a greater life, a life from which sorrow and groaning have fled away, a life in which there is no longer temptation or weakness or brokenness, and we are able to live with that. Like my newly arranged study, we start to put things in their right place and realize there is hope for that order to remain. Unlike my practice, when start thing, things start to go out of place, with an act of repentance and confession, I'm able to very quickly tidy up the little mess and have hope again that I can keep things the way they are. First Corinthians fifteen eighteen to 20 reads, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the, possi- the most pitiful. Why? Because our hope is not in this life alone. Our hope never stops here. Our hope starts here and then moves on to the life to come. Our hope is that we are loved and continue to be loved. We were first loved when God created us in his image and his likeness and gave us even of himself. We were then loved when we had fallen and were broken 
and he came in his incarnation to restore us. And we are now loved because he has ascended to his kingdom and he sits and awaits us, having broken down the walls of separation and opened again for us the gates of the kingdom. That's the hope we have. We hope in each other as well, which is a good thing. I don't want this to sound too dire, but sometimes we, we let each other down. I have let people down. I've been let down by people. It is the nature of humankind. And in that, we sometimes lose hope in all, including in God. And that's why if we want to focus on the hope that comes from Him, then we need to be conduits of that hope to others as well. We are gathered in this place because we believe that there is something in the message of Christ. If we become obstacles to people's hope, then we become obstacles sometimes to them experiencing the love of God. And that's something we need to really hold on to. When our Lord asks us to love God with everything we have, our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, this isn't just a random request. This is because he knows that in that love and through that love, we also become conduits of hope. It breaks my heart every time I hear someone say to me, I just don't want to come to church anymore. I don't want to experience church anymore. I don't want to deal with Christians because I have been let down by people. Someone has betrayed my trust. They said they would be loving and forgiving and accepting and I've been abandoned. And in whatever manifestation, whatever way, when people feel that in our lives, because of us, then we become an obstacle to them experiencing hope in Him. So no matter how much He stands there with arms outstretched saying, come to me, so I can give you hope. The, the response is, but yeah, but this person's in the way. Because when I'm looking, I don't see you. I see him. I see her. And so therefore we become an obstacle. So there are two sides to this equation. The first and I will start with ourselves. Let us ensure that we are never a cause for people to lose their hope. It's quite often to start conversations on faith or the church from a tabloid perspective, pointing out 
the failings, the scandal, the shortcomings, all of the things that we can complain about. And they are there. They are there. And because of our humanity, we become part of that as clergy, as laity, as people in the church. We, we become part of that, that failed image of the church. So let us be better about our conversations. I don't mean be delusional. I don't mean deny reality. But I'm saying that before we criticize, let us give faith. Let us give thanks. In the Coptic Orthodox Church, those of you who have attended services, you will know that every service, every service, starts with the prayer of thanksgiving. And that's a lesson to us, to start everything in our lives with thanksgiving. Funeral service, requiem service, services of commemoration, services in the greatest hardship, they start with thanksgiving. Let us give thanks on every occasion, in every condition, and for all things. Most Copts around the world, young or old, will know those words because they are recited so often. And so when we come to speak about the church, about our faith, about our journeys, let us first dig deep and find the things we can give thanks for. Regrettably, and as a matter of reality, the things that are often at the forefront of our minds are the challenges and negativities and shortcomings and failings. Because as humans, we, we are attracted a little bit to that. You know, there's always the test of uh, if you walk in and you see a, a beautifully washed and ironed tablecloth, pristine white, with a dot on it or a stain, your eye will instantly focus in on that because that is the most attractive to an eye because it's different. And I just hope that when we look at our church, as in the church, the capital C, globally, fellow Christian sisters and brothers, those around us, our families, our communities, our parishes. Let's zoom out a little bit. Let's not focus on the stain or the multiple stains. But let's zoom out and look at the bigger picture. This church that might be restrictive and, and exclusive and become a stumbling block, surely has also done good things. The person I know, my fellow Christian, who I may see as hypocritical or ungracious or unkind, surely must have done good things. If our Lord Jesus Christ can see goodness 
in the Samaritan woman, in the man born blind, in the tax collector, in the leper, in the woman caught in the act. And the examples go on and on and on. Even his own disciples. In Philip, who forgets who he is. In Peter, who denies him. Or in Judas, who betrays him. If our Lord Jesus Christ is able to see goodness in all that, that is what gave people hope. And the problem with Judas is not that he betrayed Christ. That is a problem. The problem was that in he lost that he lost hope in redemption, in coming back. And so the hope we have in our own redemption that comes from him because he has opened the doors now we should not take away from others because that hope is the hope that works in our lives and so first and foremost we should not be an obstacle secondly let us be a vehicle of hope. Let us be the voice of hope in people's lives. Let us share hope. We must have a good news story to share. In our own lives or in the lives of others. Genuine. Don't make things up. Don't lie about things. Don't make things prettier than they really are. But surely, surely we can dig deep and find good things to share. And becoming that conduit of hope, we can then be good stewards of our Lord Jesus Christ. Point to him. When he says, come to me and I will give you hope, point to him and say, that's where I found my hope. That's where I lived my hope. That's where I experienced hope. Come and taste, come and see. That is our role as Christians. Once we experience, we share with love, with genuineness. Once we experience and we taste, we share. You know, when, when you've gone to a good restaurant or seen a a good film or experienced a good holiday most often than not you will come back and share that with a friend unless you want to keep an exclusive location it's a different issue where you say look come and see come and taste look what I experienced and because of my love for you I want you to experience it this is the hope I have experienced Look to him. Look at his outstretched arms. Look at his welcoming heart. Look at his forgiveness. And live in that hope. You know, when we look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ himself with his disciples, we see him 
presenting that hope time and time and time again. One of the first instances was when he preached from a boat that he had told them to push out a little bit from the shore. And then he said, go out into the deep. This is a gift to them. You've given me your boat. I'm going to do three things. I'm going to repay your kindness by giving you fish you didn't even think you could catch at a time of day that you probably could not have caught them. I will teach you a lesson in obedience and I will call you to minister with me. And so in that act, he gave them hope. The first was hope in catching the fish they hadn't caught the night before. We sometimes read that passage lightly. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. That meant they had no money for the day. They had no food for the day. This wasn't just, oh, we went out for a social event and tried to catch some fish and didn't catch any. This was their livelihood. If they came back with no fish, they would have nothing to eat in their own homes or sell. And so when he took them out, he gave them hope because they probably felt a little hopeless at that time. How do we provide for our families? What do we do now? Secondly, he gave them hope in obedience. You know, we really don't like that word these days. It just, it's not a word that sits well with us. Because it is a word that is countercultural. We see obedience as being something that is negative. Something that takes away your individuality. Something that makes you just a follower and not a leader. That's not true at all. If I am obeying my shepherd, I am then enabled to do what he calls me to do. So he gave them hope in obedience. St. Peter says, We have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word. So, yes, I will obey. And the nevertheless shows hope. Now, there may have been an element of, yeah, I know this is going to do nothing, but I just need to be polite to this man who just spoke some very wise words. But I wonder if they would have gone to all the trouble. Don't forget, they were washing their nets. And anyone who's seen a fishing trawler knows this is a, a huge thing to do. When you bring your boat in, when you've washed your boat, and you've washed your nets, to then go out and throw them back into the sea is not something you're going to do lightly. But something must have sparked so that there was the slightest hope that if you spoke so beautifully, if you have moved our hearts in this way, then maybe there is just something in what you're saying. 
Of course, as time went on, they learned over and over and over again that they could respect and rely on what our Lord said. But this was the very first encounter. And so there was hope in that obedience because again, they hadn't caught anything, they couldn't sell anything, they had nothing to show for a night's work. But then there was satisfaction in that hope. Because they did. They caught fish more than, more than they had ever caught before. They called other boats to come and help them. They had seen something that was virtually impossible. This is not the time of day to fish. Otherwise, why would we work through the night? Let's just fish during the day. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't happen. And yet it did. And their hope was satisfied. Satisfied with the beauty of what they had experienced. And the third hope is, come follow me. You know, you were born as grandsons and sons of fishermen. Your life is that you will continue to be fishermen. But I'm going to call you to something that is more, that is better. You think, but that's all I know. Why would I think of anything else? Why would I do anything else? Come with me. Follow me. The hope I am giving you is you can be something completely different. And our Lord says that to us. God says that to us. Follow me and I can change your life if you're not happy, if you're not satisfied. Maybe you are happy and satisfied, but you want something different. Follow me. As long as you follow me, then I can give you what is good for you. Remember last session, I was talking about this irritating fact that it says, seek and you will find, ask and it will be given. Now, I'm sure on that morning, if they were praying men, they would have prayed for fish. And they sort of got fish. But what they got more than fish was to follow him as disciples. Now that wasn't on the cards. They didn't expect that. Yet they got it, and it was the best thing for them. It gave them hope not only to be and do something different, but to be part of what was to become a movement and a faith and a message of life to the world where this obstinate fisherman who not only went against what our Lord said on several occasions, but then denied him on the day of Pentecost, moved by the Holy Spirit, becomes a source for 3,000 people to come to the faith. Becomes the voice of hope that these people who had come to celebrate an important Jewish feast suddenly said, actually, there's more. There is more we want, and there is more we are promised. 
And he speaks of the hope of the resurrection and the hope of a life to come. Hope of life. Life beyond what they were seeking and what they were finding. And so when our Lord says that he is the source of hope, then we must believe that and follow it with confidence, with genuine confidence. Not just pacifying ourselves or using it as a large last-ditch effort, not just because there is nothing more to do. You know, how, how often have you heard that? Yeah, we'll pray because there's nothing else to do. Rather than using prayer as a starting point. Rather than having the hope that drives us and satisfies us and gives us life. And so, as we conclude, let's listen to the words of Desert Fathers who, when asked, how are you never discouraged? The response is, because our hope is in the living God who created us, who saves us, and who awaits us. And glory be to God forever.